Welcome to the Spirit Lake Wellness Podcast hosted by Dr. John Ewing. Today, Dr. Ewing is joined by Kathy Kocher, licensed marriage counselor and family therapist. Today, they will be discussing attachment styles and mental health. Adrenaline can magnify pain. It can give us that sense of urgency that, oh, we must do something. So pain can tell us, oh, we must stop doing something or, oh, we must do something. And when you think about a whole lot of our distress, that psychological or physical is that, that urgency that, oh, we, we have to do something. And uh, it can become a self-fulfilling thing when we feel that sense of urgency and the adrenaline grows and the anticipatory tension grows. And uh, then before you know it, oh my gosh, we're in emergency mode. I got really got to get to the bathroom. <laughs> and um, uh, being able to uh, get yourself to relax, do some smooth breathing, mm-hmm. uh, deliberately dropping that adrenaline level. It's gracious. But you brought up exactly as you, you triggered the breath work, you know, practicing on a everyday level of some form of breath work. You know, if um, if, if you've been involved in any kind of yoga, uh, the, 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 the pranayama, the, the breath work exercises they do, or just some gentle tension relieving, you know, breath work that you've learned over the years can really help you connect with your body, get that re- a sense of control back, calming yourself down, and letting all the I like the, the brain weasels uh, fly around. Just let them be there. Let them be. Don't have to let them go. Don't have to hang on. Just let them be because they'll get tired and move on. They're just a storm that's passing by while you stay sheltered within your breath. And that's, that's, a, that's a phenomenal shelter. A phenomenal refuge is, is working into the breath. Um, when I do my weird things, like I'll sit in a rain barrel for a couple of minutes full of ice water, when you dip in, it takes your breath away. It makes your brain go really crazy. It, it, it lights up everything inside your head. And what the main thing is coming back to breath. If managing it through breath work, you manage your breathing, you manage your brain, your mind. Your mind. And so that's, that's a real key tool or toy, whatever how you want to frame it, to help you manage all that stuff that's going through. And... Um, Find a breath work that works for you. Research, you know, the, the, the ones that help calm you, that give you a sense of I'm in control. And uh, I have the ones that I use that, that, that are very favorable for me, but we each have to find our, you know, our way through that. And uh, but that's a key. I, I'm glad John brought that up. Breath work is extremely important. Because that's brain yeah. as well. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. I've noticed that there's times when I'll have breakthrough pain or I'll be doing something and it'll be like, oh, and I'll just catch myself unconsciously going, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and just doing kind of a panting breathing. Like a Heimlich, not a Heimlich, what's that called uh, with birthing? Yeah, yeah, the, the Lamaze method. You know, yeah, Lamaze thing, yeah. They teach you when you're going to push a watermelon out. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. You know, that, that just kind of, and it's like, gives me that focus and that shift mm-hmm. and then it's like okay that that spike and now yeah. we're back down and and things are okay so i'll pay more attention to that i'll yeah. be more intentional about that because that's a really good point it's one of those things that i know it works mm-hmm. i've been teaching people to do this for years i know it works i know it works right. for me 
and and yet it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, it's easy to do. I mean, pain, pain really takes you into different places you've never been before. Yeah. And so you really don't, it's tough. What do I do with all this new stuff? You know, it's just come on. It's all of a sudden you've, you've been like sucker punched. Now, now what do I do? You yeah. know, and, and, and uh, you know, how do you manage a sucker punch? <laughs> Best you can. <laughs> you were sucker punched. And so you just, you just gather yourself up and start again with what you know. Yeah. And then, you know. Well, and it's it's interesting. I don't want this to be a, a diss on on the medical system. Oh, no. just, I'm just going to share my experience. Um, how can I, how can I get help with pain management? Well, we'll send you to these people. Okay. Well, we're going to give you these prescriptions. Mm-hmm. They're not working. Take more. And then a little flyer that I got that said, you know, the goal of medication is not to get rid of your pain. It's to minimize your pain enough so you can be functional. And I thought, Okay, so the expectation is that I'm going to have pain, which ties into what we've been talking about. But then there's all of this stuff that we talked about, which is really good stuff, isn't isn't there. You have to really go look for it if yeah. that's how you want to to manage the pain. I I'm on a wait list for a, a psycholog uh, to see a psychologist because I wanted to talk to someone that was very objective about these kinds of things too but mm-hmm. but it's just it's just really curious that the the medical machine is kind of take these pills and you know adjust mm-hmm. your expectations which yeah. i did not find helpful no i don't think a lot of what we are talking about fits into the you know business model of of medicine right yet it fits very well in to the interpersonal model of many medical providers. Yes. So mm-hmm. you, you end up with uh, these, these uh, how do I do this in 15 minutes or less? You know, you end up with, with a lot of um, hurdles that actually impede the ability to make that a connection that's so important. Well, we've talked about the importance of those relationships, and it's almost like, like you said, Dr. Tom, it, it works against that. You know, it's hard to form a relationship in 15 minutes. I'm, I'm still stuck on, uh, you know, Dave voluntarily gets into an ice cold rain barrel. The intentionality of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think it's a very important determinant that while this may be painful, there is something beneficial that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife has very, very cold hands and very, very cold feet. Yet when she touches, and, and I'm a warm body, so when, when those cold feet touch me in the middle of the night, that is very, very soothing because there's that human connection and I always attribute it to, I mean, I mean, it isn't like ice cold. So, you know, uh, Dave is much more macho than I. But, um, <laughs> I'm a little more of a lunatic. That's but it, it, it's the beauty of that, that conscious connection mm-hmm. at, that, at that moment. And, of course, she's doing it both for warmth, but also, you know, to, to do a 2 a.m. connection. Um, 
and we both find it wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, but but as you were talking about your um, your family and friends and those people that are important to you, um, looking at impending loss hurts. Yeah. Yet affirming how important somebody is to you and that that will be eternal that that will last forever yeah. that thaws that hurt um in many respects there's this medication called hydroxyzine and when it first came out it was the name brand was atarax well atarexis is the state of not really caring. And of course, there's euphemisms to describe that, mm -hmm. but atorexis and atorex. And so, um, you know, if I start going down into something that's uh, kind of gloomy and, and doomy and whatnot, uh, if I get that sense of urgency, sometimes I'll work on that smooth breathing and I'll just make the breath smooth. And just focus on the smoothness of the motion. It's not important how deep, how fast. It's the smoothness of the motion. And hopefully I can achieve that, um, that state of ataraxis where the brain weasels are just a flying monkey migration going by and I'm all worried about it. And then when I decide to do the tender breath of reconnection, which is just a little pause at the end of your breath, then you can hopefully reconnect to the things that you value and that you want to tune into and are important to you. But yeah, the flying monkeys, sometimes they, they migrate. You know. Yeah, and I, you know me too, I, I would recommend coming back to the breath work, I do recommend uh, you know, sitting still for 20 to 30 minutes every day uh, in terms of just allowing your, to be, be with your breathing. You know, have a certain structure, have your body in a certain posture, whatever meditative posture you wish. That's your form, that's your structure, that's the mold. And you simply want to allow things to be, to, uh, all, the, all the thoughts and feelings, let them come and let them go on their own. Don't, you know, this is that non-resistance, allow them to be. And then when you get distracted by them, just return back to breath. And this practice over time really allows you in your everyday life is to be able to see when you're going to overreact and begin to follow the pain or follow the dread, all this stuff, and simply come back to be here with what you're doing as your focal point. And it's a great way to retrain, to reframe everything. It's just simply to come back and you're in, and relaxing the body into what you're doing and relaxing the mind. But it comes back to that breath of just simply sitting every day consistently. A little bit every day is more important than a long time, once a week. But just that little consistency of connecting to breath, allowing your posture just to be as still as you can make it. And just watch how things come and watch things go. And it's a, it's a phenomenal experience when all of a sudden you go, oh, none of that's me. That's just clouds going by the sky. And I'm the sky, I'm the watcher of all this phenomenon. And it's like, oh, all these years, and I thought that was me. <laughs> There's just a bunch of gobbledygook flying by the sky, it's clouds. And it's, it's a great relief when you realize that's not you. And uh, it begins with that practice of just sitting still 
and uh, you know, watching. We're the watcher. I remember as a very young shrink, you know, junior psychologist deciding, okay, besides just giving the advice, I've got to try this. And it just, you know, I'm, I'm just going to sit quietly and be in the present for 15 minutes. And, you know, at 15 milliseconds, gone. Weasels! How long was that? You know, it's just amazing. It's how amazing. much uh, time and attention we spend to measurement. Yes. It's 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Pretty and irrelevant, the fact that you, you get that those, those moments mm -hmm. and, and the intensity mm -hmm. of the piece, the intensity, which really to me is a, is a verbal conundrum, but the uh, intensity of that contentment is is uh is just mind-boggling mm -hmm. um because you know and I, I don't watch tv very much anymore but when i did i mean you're constantly bombarded with you need this and you should do this and you got to buy this and and yes. all these things that'll lead to happiness uh that that eventually we have to be cleaned out of every corner of your house you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I swear the absolute best things in life are absolutely free and just there, just yeah. just waiting to be embraced. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. That's just and, and every day is different. You know, some mornings I'll sit, go, go, you know, sit down to do my meditation. And uh, some days I'm really focused. Stay with the breath. It's really groovy. It's really nice. And some days it's just pure hell. My brain is just chattering away. My knees ache. My back hurts. I mean, everything is just a pain in the butt. But those are the days that I actually get the most fruit because I have to really challenge myself to stay connected to breathing. And uh, But just the, you know, that lack of expectation of just sitting there and just letting things be is really the most important things. And just allowing. Again, this is that non-resistance, the P times R equals S. This is that practice of non-resistance of just allowing everything to come across your sky mind to be here. And uh, when it takes you away, when you start following it, just, just sit gently come back to breath. That's, that's the practice. And do that, that over time, it becomes your everyday life. You know, before I used to be like, squirrel, you know, and you're, and you're going after it, you know, now it's like, oh, look at, look at that. <laughs> you, know, you, you, get not, you become less reactive and more responsive to your environment and then responsibly more quieter and uh, it just it just helps you know and I'm a guy I mean I used they used to have me on Valium and Stelazine when I was 14 15 years old I had anxiety off the charts I mean I was just going like crazy and now it's like my wife wants to know if I'm does, does anything bother you are you alive why don't you react you know and <laughs> come on come on baby pick a fight She's good at that. She knows my buttons, which is good. She's my best teacher. <laughs> but but it's true. It's like I over time it's like, oh yeah, am I dead? No, I'm not. I'm very much alive. And uh, um, it's it's uh, the mindfulness aspects of the practices really makes you alive. 
And uh, again, it's that um, it, it's a practice. It's nothing more. It's nothing magical to it. It's a practice. It's intentionally going and entering into things that wake you up, uh, like going into rain barrels or, or going on long hikes that may extend you a little bit more, or doing things that take you just a bit outside that comfort zone. And you go, I can do this. And you come back and go, Yeah, I did that. Or there's days, say, oh, well, I had, I had to, I had to stop myself. You know, there's days when I go play with my 30-year-old people in the kickboxing. There's days I'm going, oh, now the old man's done. Now I hit my little, hit my wall because I can't go any further than that or you guys will be, you know, I'll be going home in a wheelchair. I got to <laughs> stop, you know. And uh, so but that's part of that balance of finding out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Some days it's going to work, some days it's not. Yeah, so, I think part of it is is accepting those limits. Yes, exactly. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah. uh, I don't want to have any. Yeah. Yeah. I, but that's not mine to choose. Bingo. And once in a while, I will go beyond my limits and discover why it's a limit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Exactly. I was uh, privileged to be with a friend of mine as she was going through the process of dying of liver cancer. And I remember she asking me to take her for a ride one day. So we went for a ride and I was being very careful and gentle with my driving. And we got eh, a couple miles from her house. She said, I think we need to go back. I said, okay. We got back and our conversation was, um, she said, this whole thing is like living inside of a balloon. And every day it gets just a little smaller. There's just mm. a few more things I can't do. Mm. And that metaphor is so strong for me right now. And I'm feeling, sometimes yeah. I feel it. Like I can't go to Costco on my own. I get it. There's stuff I want to buy that's too heavy. I shouldn't be lifting and putting in a cart. Mm. So I need to call somebody. You know, I I didn't, don't, I'm not shoveling my driveway. Mm. Normally that's I'm out there like a damn fool, you know. Mm. It's and, fascinating, Kathy, because, I'm not allowed to go to Costco on my own. <laughs> there might be different reasons at play there, Tom. Reasons for that. Yeah, yeah, something about a budget. I don't know. <laughs> how many how many things have you brought back that um, people had questions about? <laughs> oh, come on. Nobody so, goes to Costco for one thing. <laughs> yeah. So you brought up an interesting point about all of the junk in our lives and Mm -hmm. uh, there's a type of meditation that I like called Sahaja Yoga meditation. And uh, one of the, uh, the starting points is to ask yourself, am I the spirit? Am I the spirit? And to repeat that question. It took me a long time to figure out that, oh, the flip side of that question is, I am not my body. I am not my clothes. I am not my job. Mm -hmm. I am not all these things that um, so much of the world tries to tell us we are. I am not that. I am the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so that as a kind of a, oh, how to escape that bubble? Goodness. Mm -hmm. When I would, I have a hypnosis script I've used with people. It's called the Purple Bag, and uh, while people are very relaxed, I have them start putting everything that they that they identify with inside this big purple bag. 
you know, their house, their car, their, their, you know, everything down their clothes. And then I want you to put your body in that. You know, everything goes in this big purple bag. You know, it's misty and you see it swirling in there. Then you, you know, you, you tie the bag shut and you set the bag down. And then I have you kick the bag away. And who's left? Just the watcher. You know, it's who's left? You know, we're left with this emptiness of this uncertainty, this unknown. And that's sort of it. Because <laughs> when we look at our, when we look at ourself, we look, ourself is a thought. And, and so if you, so who's the thinker? Who's the watcher of the thought? And that's what John's talking about too, is who's the spirit? Who's this, you know, spirit's still a thought. But, who, but if you put everything in that purple bag and you get rid of the bag, what's left? And really, I think what Tom talked about was there's love, there's compassion, there's relief. That's who we really are. And when we start, when you start divesting yourself of things, that's what you're feeling. That's who you are. That's that love, that compassion. And you're trying to share your journey with everybody because you want them to have comfort. And that's the person, that's your love. That's who we all are. And that's really a cool story. And that's, 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 that's what I'm taking from this. One of the tragedies of modern life is that we have all of these electronic devices that come up with all of these distraction routines, all of these compulsion loops mm -hmm. to try to get our attention to go from this to this to this. And sometimes people will web surf and they'll have a routine of sites that they go to visit and then they'll start over again. And this is creating a tremendous isolation, disconnection from other people. And yeah, when you think about it, there's all kinds of compulsion loops that we get into. Uh, everything, you can even think of brushing your teeth as a compulsion, <clears throat> but uh, it protects us from <laughs> that fear of uh, isolation and stigma for for uh, having things in our teeth, but these compulsion loops can take up so much time and take so much away from our connectedness with other people. So being able to, to prune away the ones that are not serving us and cultivate and grow the ones that will help us to be with others and to have that heart-to-heart -heart connection that I think is the most valuable thing in the universe. And I'm going to share a strange, odd story. But this is, you know, my father passed away oh, when I was about 20 years old. He was only 49. He had a heart attack. Um, it was about three days after he passed. He came to me in like a dream kind of a state. And when he said one sentence, everything is okay. And I was like, that impacted me so much. Because I was thinking he was saying, yeah, he's okay, which he was. But he was trying to tell me everything was okay here. And that, you know, everything is okay. That, and part of it learning to trust and have faith that everything is okay. And, and to move from that. From that, it was, it was, again, there was great love and compassion in that statement. That's all he said, and he turned around and went back into this cave kind of a situation. But it was so impactful. And I've spoken with other people about this, um, especially some of my friends with, uh, well, just a lot of my friends, 
who've had loved ones pass and have come to visit, they've given the same message. And that was like, whoa, really? Yes, there's always a message of reassurance. And, and I think you're touching that in this stage of your life, of, but you don't really understand it yet, that, that everything is okay. And you're giving out of this compassion and love because everything is okay. And this is part of our all of our journeys. Um, I forgot one of the Rinpoches, Tibetan Rinpoches, talked about how we're just flying through space and we're falling, we're falling, falling without a parachute. But the good news is there's no ground. And, and, and so it, it, we're just we're just this flowing energy source, if you want to put it that way. There's really no, no good words. But I just come to it from my mind frame as again compassion and love. And that's really the bottom line is kindness, compassion, love. No matter whatever structure form you have of how you frame things. That's really the essence of what comes forth. And of all the things we do have, we've done as professionals. Because we, we, we like people. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and we love that connectivity and we understand that. Probably more so than other professionals. And we continue to do it. So I'll shut up. And I'll get on my soapbox and keep going. So, no, that's a very, it's a powerful, yeah. powerful message. Yeah. One nice thing, you guys are still, I'm retired. I've been retired for a few years, so I've had more time to really take a look at things. I really have. I just, you know, I do a lot of meditation now, which is really cool. I've had more time to really dive into my, my meditative aspects and and uh, just have fun with this bag of bones, you know. And it's amazing how, um, yeah, things just always come back to kindness and love and compassion, no matter what we're doing. Yeah, it just it frees you up. It really frees you up. And, and uh, again, just because this bag of bones is always so, and I still have lots of anxiety flows through. It, it visits me all the time, and it's just one of those things that flows across my my screen. But I don't have to touch it. I don't. I don't tune into that channel. I'm tuning into the compassion, and kindness, and um, and you're doing that too. You know, especially for, and I think you're you're helpful in helping people who maybe have not led an introspective life. You know, we've been blessed with having a profession that is about introspection. Mm -hmm. We've examined our lives as we're helping people. We're helping ourselves. How many times have we opened our mouths to give advice to somebody or going, "I'm writing that one down for me," because <laughs> <clears throat> okay, you don't know where that message came from half the time. Yeah. It just shows up. And it comes out your mouth, and you go, "Damn, where'd that come from?" You know, and uh, it came from source. It came from love. It came from compassion, because you know, we all needed it in that room at that time. Yeah. You know, so. so. I have a, a quote on my work laptop, and I'm I'm thinking I should move it to my personal laptop because I haven't I haven't been doing any um, work since the since February. Mm. And that's a long time because I was very invested in what I did for a living and I very much cared for all of the consumers I worked with. And that's been hard uh, to step away from that. But the quote is, everything happens for me exactly the way it is supposed to. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I hold on to that, you know, how, how I, that doesn't take away my control and how I react or respond to it, mm -hmm. but it's just, some of the shit's just supposed to happen. When I first started uh, studying medicine and one of the first things we learned was an emphasis on preventive medicine. And so then when you start encountering diseases, it's like, then there's this part of you, oh yeah, well, you didn't wear your seatbelt or, oh yeah, you did, you ate all that stuff, didn't you? And it's like, oh my gosh. And then it took me a while to really realize that I was blaming the victims. I was protecting myself from the, the concern that, oh my gosh, that could be me. And so, yeah, we come up with all these happy things to say about people's pain and suffering. And sometimes it can turn into almost a, a blame the victim. Like, oh, if you follow this advice, then you won't have this pain. Then you won't. Have, and it's like, oh, and if you're having pain, and suffering, then it's your fault. And it's like, no, that's not actually the case yeah. um you know when it comes to that loneliness the aloneness and that feeling abandoned and i said oh i just want to love that brain weasel and i want to cuddle it and take care of it and but at the same time having platitudes like that like oh just love that brain weasel it's like that doesn't take away from that desire to be there with some other person and connect with them heart to heart yeah so thank you for sharing that yeah i think that's one of our core conundrums is um you know if we can find someone or something to blame we don't have to solve the problem and it's absolutely impossible when you have an unsolvable problem Therefore, I'll find somebody to blame. And I'm okay. They're not. Um, and I think that, you know, we have that core and it's something that we end up struggling with. Um, I, I, if I'm a victim, I'm usually a victim of me. You know? <laughs> Sometimes it's a victim of natural process, but even then I can't blame anyone or blame anything because duh it was going to happen anyway my hair was going to fall out you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love how all, the, all the men on the screen just touch the top of their heads I feel out of place <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I definitely went down that path. You know, how did I bring this on myself? You know, yeah. was it because I smoked heavily when I was younger? I quit in 99, but still, you know, was it because of one of the chemotherapy drugs when I went through breast cancer in 2016 that can be a cause of this type of cancer? You know, what, what, how did I, how did I contribute to this? And I thought, you know, this makes, this, this is a completely nonproductive brain weasel. It doesn't change the outcome. It doesn't change the present moment. It it just gives me something to focus on and to feel bad about. And there's no point in that. We have to just stop and move forward from where we're at. Solution focused, very solution focused. Yeah. But um, 
but it was into it was an interesting it was an interesting part of managing and dealing with the diagnosis of how 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 do, how is this my fault mm-hmm. and it it doesn't matter yeah mm-hmm. it, it absolutely doesn't matter. doesn't matter and the, the people I'm sorry I was just going to extrapolate out that the, the people that love me uh, my son in particular and one of my friends the foot massage friend um, they're both we can't fix this this is really hard we can't fix it so we've had very, very direct communication around that. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that's been helpful is just me being able to talk very openly and directly with these people in my life and say, okay, will it help you then if I give you concrete, measurable things, things that you can do? Yes. So my son did my taxes. My son organized my work benefits. He, he gets the tasks that are very specific that he can feel, I did that, I accomplished right. this, I helped my mom. And that's that's been big. And then my friend gets the other stuff, like shovel my driveway. So it, it is weird because in a way, you you not only have to manage yourself and manage the disease, you have to manage the reactions of the people around you because you care. Yeah. When um, when my daughter died a few years ago, the um, really, really difficult, I think my most difficult piece with that, I've always been the helper. I've always been the one that, that and, and it, accepting uh, other people you know, accepting what they had to offer, uh, just accepting their presence. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing that, I mean, everybody knows there's nothing you can say. Oh, great. That just made the whole thing wonderful. Um, yet, you know, recognizing uh, there, were, there were people in our lives that because, you know, very similar to me, because they didn't know what to do or they didn't know what to say, uh, it was avoidance. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the relationship took on a bit of a superficial feel. And, and, and that was fine. But it was absolutely wonderful knowing that when I had a question, I could call them and they would be on it right now, regardless. Um, you know, and, and Dave talks about the, uh, the, you know, uh, uh, his dad coming to visit or the, the, you know, there's these things that just happen mm-hmm. that, that just leave you dumbstruck. I was driving home from work one day and I had some questions about, you know, the cardiac process, you know, trying to really wrap my head around this. And I was thinking, I, I, I've got to call Dr. Ewing. I've, you know, he'll explain it. And five seconds later, phone rings, and it's John mm-hmm. just checking in on me. And yeah. and I got to ask my question, and I got the, you know, I got the full answer, probably with the definition of the words that. <laughs> but you know, those, those things are so comforting. They're so soothing. Yeah. 
in a circumstance where nothing should be comforting and nothing should be soothing, you open yourself up to, aha, I, I'm, I'm going to let this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I have a large staff. I, I relied on them, and that just felt so wrong. Mm. Yet it was so right. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was a mess. I think about that with my mom, who's still living. She's she's having a hard time with this, and my son, who also is having a hard time. But it's a little more expected to lose a parent. You kind of yeah. kind of think that's yeah. going to happen. So I'm I'm stacking the deck in his favor. I'm talking to some of my women friends and saying, hey, you know, reach out to reach out to my son. You know, he he uh, he needs an ear. You know. Hopefully, you'll find support there. Oh, yes. We do keep on living. We do. Thank you for listening to the Spirit Like Wellness podcast. Spirit Like Wellness is a 501c3 dedicated to health and wellness education. Learn more at spiritlikewellness.org.